Welcome everyone to the latest episode of Hailing Frequencies Open. My David and I am your host this week. I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Carrie and Mel. Hey, hi. This week we are talking about the naked now. I'm gonna say right from the jump. This is not a great episode. It's but it's redo. It, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> It is Data's coming out episode. Yes. <laughs> um, so we open uh, the Enterprise to the captain's log. They are on their way to rendezvous with the SS Tchaikovsky, a science vessel that is monitoring the collapse of a giant star. The reason is because they're getting some very random, very weird statements or messages from the ship. So when we cut away from... The captain's log and to hear what they're talking about it pulls back and data and everybody are just sitting there listening and basically it sounds like a party is going on it sounds like a party everyone's having a good time data instead of picard says because after a while it stops talking and data instead of picard which is weird says can you repeat your transmission then we get a very very overtly sexy woman's voice who's like who's like hello enterprise (laughs) and she and she's talking about you know she hopes that there's some sexy men that are coming over and then she hints at something that's about to happen and she says we're about to have a bit of a blowout you then hear in the background this dude like a bunch of cheering and yelling and this dude very clearly is like go on do it do it do it and then you hear this boom everyone looks concerned and data says that can't be possible sounds like the emergency hatch has been blown right you are data right you are Riker immediately takes data tasha yar and jordy and they leave to go beam over i maybe would have given it a minute let's do a scan first let's repressurize the ship you know (laughs) <laughs> Let's test for microbes. Let's see if something happened that made them go crazy. But they don't do any of that. Next thing we see is they beam into a dark hallway. Unlike when we saw this episode with the original series, they do a much better job this time of really amping up what this is. There's a mess in the hallway. Things are all over the place. They split up. Tasha and Jordy go one way, Data and Riker go the other. First you see uh, Tasha and Jordy, there's a bunch of stuff on the floor. You know, it looks like a college kager party almost. There's just random shit all over the place. They open a door and it then switches over to Riker and Data who come up on a computer screen where they see the bridge of the ship and it's kind of garbled they get it fixed and they can quite clearly see that the emergency hatch has blown so they're obviously not going there tasha calls and says that she's in engineering and everyone's dead because and they've all frozen to death because it looks like someone was playing with the environmental settings and she uses the phrase leaked the all the heat into space I think it would have been much more telling to just be like, they just turned the heat off. It's not that hard. They just turned the heat off. Jordy goes into a cruise quarters that everyone has been covered in, frozen into various positions. We see our first naked Star Trek butt. 
Oh, that's right, we do. Uh, they are uh, actually but... all very naked in this room, and they are. The women are very got frozen in very specific patterns, where there just happens to be a little bit of cloth over the lower area, and an arm just happens to be covering both of their nipples. Can I just uh, say? I don't know how they thought of this, and like they're that's brilliant that they were in those positions when they died. But you know, good for you for thinking. <laughs> I love the staging of this scene because. They made it so that it doesn't matter what camera shot you're looking at. You cannot see anything. There's nothing being seen that should not be on the TV. You do see a naked butt. I mean, fine. yeah, but... Butts are fine. Just We're talking about the other stuff. That's true. Cover the, the jump. The man, the man whose butt it is, like, it's very, like, the way, like, his leg is positioned, it's just positioned enough that you don't see any cocker balls. So, you know, because no one really needs to see that in that moment. Like, it doesn't really add anything to that particular. Yeah. No, I mean. No, it's fine. It, it was, it, never mind, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Uh -huh. Um... <laughs> A shot so of at this point, frosty buns is, is enough. <laughs> and can I just say that the amount of nudity that is in Star Trek, I can't believe they actually got away with it. Back Especially because it's 1986. Yeah. Like, so it's like the height of like the cocaine era anyway. So that's probably what they were doing. Yeah, they were all high. That's why they let it slip through. So this scene, I like the staging of the next room as well as there's frozen naked people in chairs and then there's frozen naked people in the bed. So everywhere you look, frozen naked people. Jordy comes up to a malfunctioning sonic shower, gets it to stop malfunctioning, the door opens and he suddenly catches another frozen person. This person is not naked. Keep that in mind for comments that I'm going to make later. So he catches this naked person, and then you hear the sound because they had a music cue for every time the virus is transmitted. It's just a light, you know, light sound. I appreciated and, that. I appreciated that sound. For sure. So he drops her. Riker then goes, I'm ready to make my report. And Picard's like, okay. And he goes, we're ready to come back because they're all dead. And he's like, what? There was 81 people on board the ship. And Riker goes, yes, I know, but they're dead. Frozen, most of them. Now, my question is, Picard should have already known this because they have sensors. Worf actually said before they went over, there are no life signs on the ship. That's true. He said that. So the fact that Picard was confused makes no sense. Because Worf had already said. I don't know, maybe he thought that the sensors were off? Or maybe there was somebody hiding in a closet? Makes no sense. So at this point, we get the title sequence, everything. I do want to take a moment, even though that this is the redone and updated effects, the star that they're right next to looks amazing. Like, it looks really good. The fact that the ships are, are models in front of it really bring home how amazing it looks. Like, the fact that they were able to get that good of a look. This is one of the few episodes that there isn't... There was a whopping one guest star in this episode. We'll talk about her later. Picard orders everybody to come back. Uh, maximum decontamination in the transporter. And mandatory medical 
Makes sense, you know, perfect. They don't really know what caused all of this. So everybody gets over there, um, everybody gets cleared. Data has a great line about, Crusher says, well, you know, if you were any more perfect, I'd have to write you up in a textbook. And Data's like, well, I've already been in some. <laughs> you know, so there's that. Yeah, that was a good line, I like that. <laughs> a right? good Data-ism. <laughs> so at this point, she is, then the Forge gets up there, and he comes through his medical with flying colors, and then Crusher goes, why are you sweating? And at this point, LaForge loses his shit, and he's like, because it's so hot in here. Riker and Crusher are confused. Like, whoa, where'd that come um, from? <laughs> right? LaForge then makes a comment that he's just joking and this and that. That's very weird, being that that wasn't funny. No, that was not funny. He was, like, dead serious and mean to Crusher. They keep him there. Crusher's going to run some more tests. Uh, Riker leaves at this point. Crusher goes into the other room, and the Forge gets up and just fucks off. <laughs> I, do, I don't understand. You okay. have to stay here, but we're not going to do anything to keep you here. Okay. <laughs> this is, what, 300? No, 100 years in the future? Yes. And they still haven't put locks on the sick bay doors so that the patients can't leave like they, they don't have them in their own private little rooms they can't let themselves out i was getting mccoy flashbacks and it was freaking me out because i love crusher but i felt like this was a, a mccoy mistake it just made me laugh because he just gets up and leaves and like literally no one stops him. And I'm just like, all right, well, as we follow his journey through the ship, uh, the next person he runs into is Wesley Crusher. <laughs> this episode is what started my dislike of Wesley. Yes, okay. Mel? They want me to believe that Jordy, Lieutenant Jordy LaForge, left sickbay and went to find the 15 year old son of the doctor like he was like you know who i'm gonna go hang out with a kid i'm gonna go to his quarters and we're gonna hang out and talk shop there's i'm supposed to believe that he's an adult what is happening well, and it gets better because Wesley has this device where he's taken snippets of Captain Picard's voice and made basically a voice modulator so he can project Picard's voice wherever he wants. He also has a portable transportation unit. It's a... Uh, nope. Uh, it's based off of the... Uh, oh, God, what the fuck? Oh, what is it? Oh, my God. Why can't I think? The ship's tractor beam? Yes, it's based off of the ship's tractor beam. So he just made like a little model thing to hoist things up. At this point is how you really know that LaForge is really messed up. Because at no point do the things that Wesley has, specifically the Picard voice synthesizer, he shouldn't have that. No! no. It's like, such a violation! <laughs> And the fact that he, and the bigger problem is he made this before he was infected. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, 
What? Because Lord knows what he was thinking when he made that thing. Because remember when, like, how pushy he was to get on the bridge in the first place? Now he has Picard's voice. Oh, for sure. The Forge then places a hand on Wesley's shoulder. You hear the familiar virus transmitting sound. Well, this wasn't that bad, but he touched him on the shoulder. No, it's okay, but it's still touching. He's spreading but it. Touching. It's, it's the early part of the <laughs> touching that we're going to be talking about later, because there's a lot of it, so and much it's all over the place. So much touching. <laughs> so we come to Riker, Data, and Picard, who are trying to do some research into what caused what happened on the Tchaikovsky. Riker makes a comment that he read about a past ship called Enterprise involving a person that was showering with their clothes on. I think this is a lie. I think that Picard, that Riker was looking for th- was looking up in the computer. Show me pictures of people showering. <laughs> research. I just research. Yes, I'm researching because. There's no logical reason why this would come up in any stretch of the imagination. No. No, no. I think, I think it's legitimate. If he was legitimately if he was legitimately doing research on other ships called Enterprise and he say, I don't know about anybody else, but I would want to see what the crew looked like, and then I would want to know any weird things that happened on the ship. Sure, yeah, but do that's we actually, a weird encounter. But do we actually believe that, that he's looking for that, or is it much more likely that he goes, hey, computer, show me pictures of people showering? <laughs> but there weren't pictures. There weren't pictures of that. You don't know that. <laughs> I'm trying to give Riker the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Well, and say that he is not a perv. I'm pointing out that season one Riker is kind of a perv. Kind of. He gets better. Like, he definitely gets better as the years progress. But the first season, it's a little... Mm. He's definitely the one that they need to establish is the ladies' man. Yeah, but unlike the original series, the thing with Riker is consent. Like yeah. he, he gets consent, but yeah. season one Riker, not so much. Eh. Season one Riker, I would like to see all the pictures you have of people showering. I mean, you know, season one Riker, no beard, kind of pervy, gets the beard, starts to be respectable. <laughs> yeah. Then he just is a ladies' man who's respectful, consent, you know. Sure. Oh, sidebar. All he did was ask Data to look up that he didn't know it was the Enterprise until they found it. Right. He just remembered hearing about someone taking a shower clothes. Their clothes. Yep. It's like that's random. That's what <laughs> that's I'm saying. All I know, he, though. he wanted to hear about stories of people showering. <laughs> like that's this is what I'm saying. Just go you on to the disagree. holodeck. <laughs> right. And you cannot tell me that there isn't a time where it's like, well, where's Riker? He's in the holodeck. Can you come in and there's a massive orgy going on where he's got... <laughs> God. <laughs> what is this? It's ancient Rome. The vomitorium's over there. The orgy room's over here. 
People are getting dripped on with olive oil over there and massaged. <laughs> Where's Riker? God only knows. <laughs> He's in the middle. <laughs> oh, God. He's the creamy filling. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, you made it weird. I, anyway. I'm here for. <laughs> so they start talking. LaForge runs into Yar and then touches Yar. But during the conversation with Yar, he has a meltdown. He does. Where he's like, I do. He's like, I want to see. And she's like, you can see. And he goes, no, with my eyes. So he takes his visor off and then grabs Yar's face. Again, with the touch. <laughs> okay. okay, I have two things to say about this scene. First thing. So I think that this, I'm gonna, I've, I've been calling it a fever since they all get hot. That's like kind of the first thing they exhibit is the sweating and the hot. It seems like that, it limits their inhibitions, but it also makes them like reveal their deepest, darkest wants and desires, the things that they would never give voice to. So Jordy says he wants to see with his eyes. He wants to be able to see the things and Tasha's like you see you see better and he's like no I don't see better I see more but I don't see better I want to be able to see like you see and then you know later other people when it comes up I will talk about what I think their deepest darkest desire is but I think that Jordy's is he wants to see and Later, Dr. Crusher says that he's never, there's nothing in his file that he's never voiced that. He's probably never allowed himself to voice it because he knows that there's never going to, like, nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. It's something that he holds really deep inside of him, but this has let allowed him to bring it out because he's so confused and drunk or whatever. The other thing about the face, touching of the face, this is the one instance where I will say that the touching of the face wasn't in a harassing, weird way. Because when blind people are trying to get a gauge on how they see things, they touch them. So they will, they do touch the face, touch, you know, touch people's faces in order to get a a gauge on seeing them. Now, it's weird because Jordy has kind of seen her face, so he shouldn't necessarily need to touch it. But for me, that was the one touching of the people that wasn't weird because I'm like, of course the blind guy would want to reach out and touch her face. It's it's weird because in the episode before this, he's not established that that's a thing where he's like, that's how he's choosing to interact with people. But I understand what you're saying, which is, you know, that is true. But it just was a little weird you know because it does it does kind of come out of left field a little bit i will give them the benefit of the doubt on this one because i will make the assumption that they were assuming that people would understand that as somebody who was born blind he would use his hands to touch oh for sure whether it was established or not oh for sure so after this we then see yar she's beginning to the best word I can use is she's beginning to walk significantly more feminine. More seductive. Like, yeah. yeah, there's definitely a more of a sway in the hips. My grandma would say she's switching her hips. 
there. So she's switching her hips. She finds random lieutenant crewman in the in the hallway, and we find out that her deepest, darkest desire is to get some dick. Because she grabs him, <laughs> throws, pushes him into a room, and that's what happens. <laughs> there's, there's no implication other than that. Like, that's literally what is happening. This Fine. is where ship's HR would come in. <laughs> right. But to be fair, this lieutenant person, he's fine with it. Well, she's a very lovely, attractive lady. Right. And she initiated. Right. So he's like, it's a go. Well, right. And then part of the way through, he's infected now. So I'm sure he's oh. really into it at that point. Oh, yeah. So that's happening. All the while, so Jordy, t- before Tasha's doing that, she took Jordy back to sick bay. Uh, this time, they have put oops, like security force fields around him so he can't just leave. Great. I'm glad that it took him escaping once for you to realize that that is what you should have been doing from the start. So at this point, although he did touch, or either he or Yar touched Dr. Crusher. I don't remember which one. No? No, not she doesn't get touched yet. Okay. So she starts running tests on what she found as far as what's going on based off of the original enterprise stuff. She sees the formula they used to solve it. And so she starts trying to replicate that formula so that she can cure it. Cause as far as they know, that's what's going on. At this point, we start hearing Picard's voice ordering various engineering crew members away from engineering. This includes the one and only time we ever see this character, Engineer McDougal, which is our only guest star of this episode, played by Brooke Bundy. I'm going to say this right now. She's very bad at her job. Not the actress, but the engineer she's playing is very, very poor at this job, which is why she only made one episode, because after this episode, Picard was like, you're fired. Every adult... I know that at, by the end, most of them are, in, are have the fever, but every single adult in this show, in this episode, failed. Every single one of them. Except Worf. Except Worf. Except Worf. Yeah. But Worf was like, I'm not getting any, I'm driving the ship. And, I'm and he was. Crazy people. He yeah, literally he was. was like, I'm just going to sit in this chair and drive the ship and not, and stay away from the rest of this, the, these people. But every other adult failed, all of them. What makes this fun is, so he uses his portable generator based off of, that he had based off of the deflector dish to make a force field around engineering. Mm -hmm. And also, he's still smart enough that he takes over the ship. Like, super easy. It was way too easy. How how does a 15-year-old just take over the ship? That shouldn't be a thing. He's a fucking genius, apparently. <laughs> apparently. He does allow one of the engineers into the force field. and Oh, that's this... because he shakes his hand. He shakes yep. that guy's hand. <laughs> and then this dude starts playing with the isolinear chips from the control station. He's playing with them like toys, throwing them in the air. Just, you know, because apparently that is an amazingly good time. Control chip Jenga. <laughs> At this point, Picard is getting irritated because 
there are fewer and fewer officers on the bridge. So he sends Riker to engineering to deal with that. He sends Data to go find Yar. At this point, we cut to Yar in, in Counselor Troy's quarters, where she is trying on Counselor Troy's clothes. Time out. I just need a pause break to talk about this cat suit that Troy is wearing. Which is Troy's? <laughs> the <What>? purple one? <laughs> yes. Like, you're going to have... Troy in this god awful cat suit, pants suit that doesn't fit her well. Oh, and the sash thing around the waist. Yeah. Then I mean, it just doesn't. From from the chest up, great. From the chest down, terrible. Especially when she's walking and they're talking, they're looking at her from behind. No, that is not helping anybody out. And then she has that ridiculous hairstyle. Looks like a giant bug on her head. What oh. the hell? <laughs> and, then, and then you send her into her quarters where Tasha is literally holding up beautiful fabrics. And she's like, well, you wear all these beautiful stuff. And you're like, you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me that the woman who walks around the ship off-duty in these beautiful, colorful fabrics chooses to wear this pantsuit and hairstyle while on duty? I don't believe it. It, it, No. Miss Citrus deserved more than that catsuit. And eventually she gets it, but for what, this season and next season, she's in the catsuit? No. No. Season two, she I don't like it. changes the hairstyle, thank God. And then she gets more like that lavender color one. She gets a couple different colors. It's better than season one. See, and my thing with this is, this is a whole separate un- inappropriate thing, is it's obvious that Yara's been trying on her shit. I know, so right? Yara just broke into her quarters and just started wearing her clothes. Let me oh, rifle she through your closet. The thing that doesn't quarters. make sense to me what? about this is the actress who plays Yar is taller than Marie, than the actress who plays Troy. So there's no way Troy's clothes should fit Yar. Well, they're not only is she taller, but they have very different body types. Right. Very. Troy is more curvaceous than Tasha. But the two the two things that she holds up. If you look at them, they're not actually dresses. They actually look more like they're wraps. Yeah. Which doesn't matter because you can just wrap it around. It's kind of like saris in a way. You can just wrap wrap it around yourself. It's not an actual structure. But I understand what you're saying. She shouldn't have broken her apartment, basically, and then started going through all her stuff. (laughs) At this point, Yar touches Troy. We again hear the magical sounds of the virus transmitting into Troy. This touch was not sexual harassment. They just oh. touched arms. I mean, hands. Right. Troy was trying to help her, and they just touched hands. That was it. Right. Then we see Yar and her interesting outfit choice moving forward. Bare midriff, slight under boob. She looks like a million bucks. Except for one thing. Why does she have a Superman jerry curl in the front? That's what I want to know. Listen, because her hair is so short that that was literally the only thing they could do with it. It was either that or the two pebbles pigtails at the top of her head. (laughs) Or so. That doesn't work. the hell out of it. That's not going to work. I'm just going to respect 
Denise Crosby and her body. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. As for I said, sure. as I said at the beginning, she looks like a million bucks. The wardrobe department, when they put that outfit together, it's a spot-on outfit. Unlike what Mel's issues with Troy's catsuit from earlier, there are no issues with this. She looks great. She makes it work perfect. This outfit, actually, even though I don't think that the character would have worn anything like this with not being drunk, I do think that the fact that we don't ever get to see Tasha again out of her uniform is really sad. I think they could have given more depth depth to Tasha if we had seen her out of her uniform and away from her station. And I know that there are reasons for that, and I'm not going to go into them because some people have never seen this and they're just watching along with us. But I think if we had been able to see more of Tasha, it would have been beneficial to the character. And so it's like, oh, I really wish I would have been able to see her again outside of her uniform and outside of her being the security officer on the bridge or on an away mission. I think one of the problems with her character was that the writers really walked themselves into a corner with her character because they hint at some really dark, dark stuff from her past. And in this time period, if this was made now, you could cover that. At this time period, you couldn't. So they would have been really hard pressed. I'm not giving him a pass on this because that's a failure on them is they just didn't know what to do because I think that was part of the problem eventually. And we'll go into that more later, but that's part of the problem was they were just like, we don't know what to do. So, so many episodes, she doesn't do anything because they're like, well, we've established this really dark backstory for you, but we're nowhere near prepared to write about that. And it's just like, cause how do you deal with, you know, cause at one point, I don't know if it's happened yet, but she makes reference to where she grew up. She's dodging and hiding from rape gangs and says it in this, in this scene, in this she's scene, talking yeah. about yep. data. When she's talking to data. And that brief line. From the writing perspective at this point, it's like, well, where do you go with that? Cause again, yeah, if this was, if a... this was made now, they would have the, where they would be able to run with that and actually show you this character and what made her the way she is and why you know and not in a gratuitous way but in a like here's what the backstory is this is what it causes this is and that's fine they do give a little bit they do give very little bit of it in a later episode where there's kind of a flashback and she's a little girl and she's hiding but I, I completely agree and understand what you're saying. There could have been a lot of meat on that bone if it had been done in another time frame. I always thought that Yar was a really amazing character if they let her run, but they didn't yeah. seem interested in letting her run, which is, I think, what led to what happens eventually. As again, we'll go into that later when we get further on into this season. At this point, uh, Data finds her because Picard sent him down. Yara looks like a million bucks. She bears her soul to him. Okay, I'm back with my theory. Okay. So, Tasha, Tasha, my theory on Tasha's deep, dark, unspoken. She says to Data that she, you know, when she was abandoned when she was five, she had to learn how to take care of herself and hide from the rape gangs. And all she wants is for somebody to want her and, like, care for her and love her and like be affectionate to her and 
she's tough cookies on the bridge. She's the, she's the top security person on the entire ship and she takes care of business and she's ready to throw hands if she needs to. And I think she literally, and will ne- and won't, maybe because she, she hasn't realized it because she's literally been fighting all of her life and she's still in a lot of ways fighting. She just wants to be like seen as a woman and like, loved without like weirdness i think she really wants to be vulnerable with somebody but she doesn't know how to do that so yeah it can come off as aggressive and like i just want to have sex with this person this person this person but i think when she's trying to convey the data is that that's just the tip of the iceberg she wants so much more and i can see that the first person that she hooked up with that lieutenant I think from Data, that's what she wants. But from the lieutenant, I think what she wanted was she just wanted some sex. I think it was two different things. Like, I think what you're saying is valid when it came to Data. But I think with the first person, like, that's literally what she wanted. She's like, I just want physical affection. That's fine. You know, that's good for you, you know. But with Data, she wanted more. It's like, oh, I want physical affection and. We all want that from Data. He is fully functional. Um. He does say to her, <laughs> fully functional in every way and versed in like however many, you know, pleasure techniques. Techniques. Yeah, multiple techniques. Yeah. Multiple techniques. And she's like, woo, yes. And then they go into her bedroom. Zero gravity time. I mean. <laughs> the look on Data's face, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So she touches Data. We hear the sound. This is where this episode starts losing traction. There is no way that this particular virus should affect him in any level. They vaguely try to kind of cover it up later on in this. They sure do. And they do very bad. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, maybe when I was young first watching this, I could buy that, but not now. It doesn't work. No. We'll deal with that in a minute. But it does add comedy to the episode because Brent himself is freaking hilarious. <laughs> he is. He, so <laughs> it definitely adds drama to the end of the episode, but I think it was done more as a cop-out because I don't, th- I think they were, couldn't figure out how to end the episode properly. And they're like, oh, well, we just have data be infected and then he can't perform at high speeds. And so that will create the necessary drama that we need at the end except it doesn't make any sense but that's fine we cut to uh troy who instead of changing out of the cat suit is still wearing it she is looking for Riker. sorry you skipped a part oh you skipped the part that i actually want to talk about that's why i know you skipped a part go ahead there's a scene with beverly and wesley in sickbay where he is showing off his tractor beam And she says, hey, there's an illness going around and I want you to go and stay, go to our quarters and stay there and don't, don't come out. Don't leave. He's like, okay, mom. And as he's walking towards the door, she gets a call from the captain and Wesley turns to her and says, why is it so hot in here? Listen, I understand that you got a call from the captain. But you know, Beverly Crusher, that the first symptom of the fever is fever. 
And she watches her son walk out. And as he walks through the door, he wipes sweat off of his face. And she's just standing there looking at him with wide eyes as she listens to the captain. She never once yells out, Wesley, come back. She just lets him go. Bad parenting. For sure. Like, what is wrong with her? Bad doctoring, bad parenting. It's like she decided when Riker was looking up naked shower people on enterprises she decided to look up bad doctors on enterprises and they both decided to stumble upon the first one i'm sorry the second one the enterprise b and pick from there because that was a mccoy move the only difference is mccoy wouldn't have never recognized that wesley had a fever he would have just been like, I don't know what's happening because I'm drunk. You're not wrong. It, it, not wrong. This, this episode is a comedy of errors. Anyway, so Troy finds Riker, and this is where some sexual harassment HR stuff starts happening. She wants Riker real, real bad and is basically pawing at him. Like, could, cannot Riker, to his credit, is just like, what is wrong with you? Not because Riker ever stopped wanting to have, to like, stopped being attracted to her, but he clearly can tell that something is wrong with her. He's still got all his faculties at this moment. But he won't now, because Deanna's, <laughs> Deanna touches everything except his junk, essentially. She's all over him. <laughs> He sends her, gets her to sick bay. No, he carries her to sick bay. <laughs> right. He carries her to sick bay, and that's when she, that's when he infects her because she infects she him. Starts, or she infects him. Sorry, that's when she infects him because she starts to touch his face, and she says something like, "He said I'm going to get you to sick bay," and she said, "Well, wouldn't you rather be alone with me?" No, <laughs> you have the fever. We need to get you to sick bay. <laughs> You crazy person. You've been, I mean, this, is the, this is the third episode. You've been trying to jump the man's bones and he hasn't taken the hint yet. <laughs> Jesus. Well, this Go is find the... data. Go find Tasha and data. They'll have a threesome with you, I'm sure. Yes. Absolutely I think data positive. can handle it. I'm absolutely positive that if she walked in and was like, can I get in on this? They'd be like, yes. But then that wouldn't have worked I because go, we would never have seen... Further. I go one step further. I think if this was happening and Riker was farther along, he and Troy could have gone in there and been like, what's up? And they would have been like, the more the merrier. Just bring it all in. <laughs> the party more. I mean, more. <laughs> I mean yeah, they would have ended up frozen sure. like the people on the on the other on the Tchaikovsky, whatever it's called. The Tchaikovsky. They yeah. yeah, they would have ended up in the frozen in the frozen uh quarters. Ooh. Hiding themselves. Hiding all the frosty bits. So all the frosty the frosted bits. buns. Except data, because data has been written up in scientific journals. That's true. He wouldn't freeze. No. He might get That's naked. That's true. <laughs> At this point, Riker's down in engineering dealing with that issue. Sick bay. Um, Sick bay now. <laughs> Sick bay now, but he's going back to engineering. At this point, we get Crusher is on the bridge for reasons. No, wait. When 
Riker drops off Troy. He goes into Crusher's office where she's working on the cure. And, oh, then and he's like not paying right. attention that he walked through the door and then he touches her on the neck. That's right. The music plays. And then, you know, he's like telling her, okay, Troy's got it. And, and then she's like, oh, well, wait a minute. She touched you? And then you touched me. Oh God, I've got it. <laughs> Why did you touch me? Well, and then we find out what Crusher's deepest, darkest desire is, and her deepest, darkest desire is to sleep with Picard. Oh, this is where it kind of starts. <laughs> like, there's there's no, like, there, there's this some... This is the inter- beginning. There's interpretation the beginning. in what some other people's desires are, as Mel pointed out earlier. <laughs> there is no interpretation of Crusher's desire. Her desire is him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he admits that her desire for him has existed since she was married to her first husband. And I believe this is the ep- was this the episode? No, this that happened later, so I won't bring it up. But Picard later does talk about his desire for her and when all that started. But in this episode, she freely admits she's wanted him since she was married to her husband Jack. Ow, Jack. That's fine, you know. Well, it's not fine, but not you know, fine. But he died unfortunately in a terrible accident, which we find all about soon. Very soon. Anyway, so that happens. She touches him again. So much touching. At this point, the only person who's not infected on the bridge is Worf, because the only two people on the bridge now are Worf and Picard. Crusher leaves. We see. Picard, like, kind of... Her uniform. True. We do see Picard being a little playful. Worf is the only adult on the ship at this point, besides Riker. We see Crusher do this. Apparently she has a zip in her front, and she's opening up her (laughs) her uniform to Picard. So Worf, in his quietest voice, calms Riker to let Riker know that Picard is infected now. I want to give a shout out to Picard because even though infected, he doesn't try and touch Worf. Probably because even though he's infected, part of his brain is just like, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Um, What would his desire be? Hmm. I also think that. Take shit. All right. I also think that Picard is just not a touchy feely person. So he wouldn't. Think to touch anybody anyway because that's just not his nature. Right. I think the people who are doing the touching would be touching people. I, you know, Deanna wants Riker. So she wants to touch him. And I think Riker reaching out and touching Crusher, I, I think that he probably would have done that even if he didn't have the fever. That's right. just what he does. Picard is an icicle, especially in this first season. He's not trying to t- reach out and touch anybody. I think, and I think the only reason that he sends Gates or Crusher away at, at this point is that he hasn't been fully taken over yet by the disease because he wants to touch her. Oh, totally. But that's it. Like, as you pointed out, he's, he's not interested in touching other people, but he definitely wants to touch her. 
So at this point, the thing that everyone's forgotten about is that there is a supergiant star collapsing outside the ship, which hurls a fragment, which is going to collide with the two ships. Worf can't really do anything about it because they took all the isolinear chips out, so he can't steer or turn the ship on or really go anywhere. Riker gets frustrated. He and Chief Engineer McDougal uh, managed to turn off Wesley's force field and get in. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I would like to point out there is a super sci-fi crossover. When Riker, when Riker and McDougal are squeezed into that tight shot where they're fixing the wires, I believe it's Riker says, here's the Sonic. Yes! <laughs> and if any of my nerdy, nerdy nerd nerds know, there's one man who has a Sonic screwdriver. It's the me. doctor. <laughs> it is not David. David is not the doctor. If David <laughs> was the doctor, we would be doing this podcast from inside the TARDIS while traveling through space and time. And I am in my bedroom in Los Angeles. I am not in the TARDIS. So he is not the doctor. I don't like to share my space. <laughs> but there's so much of it. <laughs> You do realize that the TARDIS is bigger than the inside. We can be on, we can be in three wholly separate spaces in the TARDIS and not even have to see each other. That's fair. I did notice that, and, and I thought it was very funny. There's, they had, they were working with a sonic screwdriver. So Riker sends people to go get data because Wesley goes, "Oh well, data could fix it." Yeah, he could put all those chips back. So he goes and gets somebody to bring Data. I am amazed that Data showed up without Yar still attached to him. No, he had to go to the bridge first. Wait a minute. Data right. was on the he bridge first. He went to the bridge first. That's where and the comedy began. Actually, came. Data was on the bridge. Data was on the bridge before Beverly came in. Well, that's true. Because yeah. Data comes up, he's talking to Picard, and then Picard goes, Beverly comes out, and she's like, I need to speak to you, Captain. And she goes into his ready room and the captain follows her. And then Data does a pratfall, middle of the bridge. Mm-hmm. And Worf turns his head slightly to look to see what happens. That's great. <laughs> it is a great end to that scene. I laugh so hard every time Data gets to be funny. Ugh. He's so great. So great. Data sits down and starts playing with the isolinear chips. I use the term playing because he is putting them in, but he doesn't really know where, he can't seem to quite comprehend where they need to go. His date is a little drunk. He does tell everyone, Riker asks how much time they have, and he looks at Data and he goes, can you do it? And he goes, nope. That he'd need like a minute more, maybe? Maybe less? And this is the part about Wesley that really started to drive people like myself and other people crazy is... For the first time of every time the entire first season, he goes, oh, we could just use my tractor beam to push the Tchaikovsky in the way, giving us the extra time that we need to push the Tchaikovsky into the fragment, gives Data the extra time, and then we can leave. Because only a 15-year-old would think of that. A drunk (laughs) 15-year-old. Chief Engineer McDougal is baffled that he's as smart as he is. How long have you been on board? was made very apparent in the first episode he's a wonderkind and also a new a nuisance 
also a nuisance. Oh, dear God, yes. Because clearly he spends a lot of time in engineering because when, after the, the engineering chief, after McDougal leaves, Yamamoto is there and he's like, what's going on? Yamamoto knows who he is. So it's not like he's just this random kid walking into engineering and they're like, dude, what are you doing here? Go to school. Also, why isn't this fool ever in class? You're going to tell me that this happened on a Sunday and so he doesn't have to be at school? He's never in class. It's a bank so holiday. Clearly, bank he, clearly, he's a nuisance and he's always in engineering and always doing... The only place he can't be is the bridge. Maybe Picard needs to take the extra step because his mother isn't doing her job. Maybe he just needs to say, keep that little fool in the quarters at all times because I'm tired of him taking over my ship. Okay. One of, one of the best decisions that they made, I will say, after the first season when they made some changes going into season two was putting Jordy in chart, making him chief engineer. Yes. Because he's obvious, like, that was obviously the job he should have always had. At least they fixed it. Wesley reverses the ship's tractor beam, pushing the Enterprise away from the Tchaikovsky, giving them the necessary seconds for Data to finish putting everything in. At this moment, during while all of this is happening, we cut to Crusher, who has discovered that what is happening that's different than what happened before was there was a molecular change in their blood, like in their water, in the water inside of you, that was causing this to happen, which caused the euphoria, which caused you to be drunk, which is a um, in, very interesting idea, actually. Like, legitimately, that's probably the most interesting concept that they put came up with in this episode. And so, and they never revisited again later. And it was caused by the gravitational changes in the collapsing star. So she injects herself with it, gets some to Picard. They replicate some more. Picard runs down to engineering. She injects Geordi first. Oh, yeah. She yeah. injects Geordi first. That was after another playful scene between Beverly and Picard where they're flirting with each other. And then Beverly gets up to... She, Beverly does with what every person over 30 does, which is she got up to go into another room and then she stopped and said where was i going <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen if you don't do that on a regular basis you are under 30. <laughs> picard goes down to engineering injects data injects again why would this work on data like no, why he doesn't need medicine he needs mechanical work <laughs> injects data Injects. Data is. Dr I don't think Data is drunk off of from the fever. I think Data is drunk from the Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> and they just because at this point I have nobody knows about Data. And, and the, the only Tasha. cure is the Tasha. <laughs> and so I think they're just going. And Data doesn't know that he's drunk off the Tasha. So he's just. You right, know, maybe some. the same stuff. Yeah, so, maybe some put something, some kind of like euphoric reaction if he, you know, ever did use the uh, sex skills and it would create yeah. some kind of euphoria. That could explain that's, it. That's what I think. That's true. That's, that's my thing with, the, with Data. I don't think that he necessarily had the, the fever. I think he was more like, yo, 
you're never going to believe what just happened. <laughs> so as everyone's being cured, the ship is going away. Here's some more issues that I have with this. So Picard partially credits Wesley for helping to prevent a disaster that he started. Thank you. He started. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm not giving you credit for shit. You almost nope. blew the ship blown up. Yeah. Yep. Yar also is a little cruel to Data here at the end, where she walks up to him, and Data's still figuring stuff out. He's a child is the wrong word, but he's these are new experiences for him. And she walks up to him and she goes, "It never happened," and he looks crushed. Yeah crushed he which is another reason why i think that maybe he was uh he was on a tasha high because he was probably thinking this was something that was going to he has seen relationships demonstrated in other people and he was probably thinking this was the beginning of a relationship between the two of them in this in this way well and we can talk about it later when we get to season two and i think um she her was more embarrassment, not because it was data, but because she allowed herself to be that vulnerable. That makes sense. I don't think that it was data. I think that she would have said that to anyone. I think that just data didn't say anything or fight it because he doesn't, re- he doesn't really understand it. But I think that if that had happened with, say, Jordy or Worf or even Riker, she would have had that same reaction. But it's because she was vulnerable in that moment and the thing that the things that she said to him prior to the acts that's not something that she's she's ready to allow herself to be that's true i just thought it came off a little harder on him than it needed to be oh yeah also we're completely correct if picard is giving anybody credit he needs to give Riker and Worf credit right because if Worf isn't still on the bridge steering the ship, it doesn't matter what Riker does in engineering. They can't leave. <laughs> so that ends the naked now or the naked time, whatever it is. Somebody's naked. Yeah. <laughs> and there were. There were many there were. naked frozen people. Yes. So let's, before we go into any behind the scenes stuff that I have or you have, let's talk about our overall thoughts and ratings for this episode. Mel, you can go first. Data. That's how I feel about this episode. This was Data's coming out episode. You know Data's an android before this episode starts, but by the end of this episode, you're like, Data's got some skills. Hello. This this episode is really funny. It's, it's really funny to see a ship full of people be drunk. I think even if they hadn't have done the whole there's a piece of debris coming at the ship and it just had been the ship everybody just be acting like they're drunk and walking around and being stupid and was would have been fine the drama didn't have to be the debris it could have been anything else but this episode is always like data's coming out episode for me just because but this episode there are pieces of this episode that made me sad jordy's scene in the conference room makes me really sad because it's like he's expressing this deep thing like i want to see i want more than just what this machine on my face can give me i want to see and it's sad that made me sad and i think it's also has a lot of influence 
I think if I had been, just been seeing this without knowing without knowing the character the way I do, I probably still would have been sad, but it's sadder because I know the character. And then also coupled with the fact that he already said in the previous episode that he's in pain all the time. It's sad. But it's nice to see them be comedic, Picard being flirty and Crusher being flirty and, you know, Riker and Worf trying to hold it together. Well, Riker trying to hold it together and Worf just looking around like, these people are crazy. I like this episode. And you're not going to get me to say, there are very few episodes you're going to get me to say I don't like in this series. But um, I'm going to give this episode a seven. Okay, that's perfect. Carrie, thoughts? Of course, always thoughts. This episode felt more comedic to me. Yeah, there were the sad parts. Like the Jordy part did get to me too. Because, aw. You just want to want to hug him and just be like it's okay don't worry you'll get kind of normal eyes in first contact <laughs> just like seeing how everybody acts drunk was funny for me <laughs> i have like a love hate relationship with wesley in this first season wesley gets away with murder and i'm just like why is his mom not smacking him You're like dude you're 15. Yeah, you're smart as all get out, but that does not give you the right or the permission to go onto the bridge, go down to engineering. You're a child. You can't go to all these places on the ship. So stop pestering, you know, your mother about going to all these places. Just go to school. Don't create any projects that are going to blow up the ship. But, you know, that those kind of things just, uh, that annoyed me. Like, he could... It was, it was so easy to get down into engineering, block everybody from where he's at, and just create this whole mess. It was his fault that the ship was going to be in peril. And I, this is not the first time, either, that Wesley has done something like this. Nor will it be the last time. Nor will it be the last. But, yeah, that kind of annoyed me. But everybody else was great. I just love seeing Data actually be funny. Brent Spiner himself is a very funny individual and getting to portray that in this character throughout all the seasons is really great because I can't wait till we get to the next episode where he has another relationship. (laughs) That one was great. I think that was one of like second to last season maybe. But yeah, overall this episode, I think I would give it probably like, you know, six and a half. It's not like my absolute favorite from this season. That one's coming up later. But yeah, that's all I got. Wait, David, before you give yours, I would like to say this. The fact that Beverly Crusher, when she heard her son come over the comm system in the entire ship and accept the captainship, didn't march down to engineering and snatch her child? (laughs) She should have, they should have both been kicked off the ship. Oh, for sure. You need to go. For sure. Fired. Both you and your child have to get off my ship. Go. Go back to a planet, Listen, I'm not even, I'm just putting you in a shuttle. We'll give you some food. Get out. I'm not even going to drop you off anywhere. I'm just going to give you a shuttle. Get off my ship. 
I can't, you're, I can't be here anymore. You're not wrong. I will say with Wesley, the thing for me, like I, when I said that I began to dislike him in this episode, uh, I really disliked him for season one and two. Okay. After season two, he definitely, to me, got better and definitely got more interesting because at this point, he's just not interesting. Like, I just don't care about him as a character. Season two, he gets a little more interesting, but I still don't like how they're writing him. And then season three, it, it definitely starts, they start to run with it. As far as this episode goes, I it's kind of fun, but for me, that's part of the failure of it, is it's almost too fun. Like, they, they go so hard in on the comedy that they can't keep the story together. And to me, that's whenever Star Trek really runs into problems, is they you have to balance both. Like, you can have funny moments in it, but you can't go full comedy because it just doesn't work if you're trying to tell as dramatic a story as they were trying to tell here, it does work when you're doing like from like deep space nine, take me out to the hollow suite or later episodes of this where they are just having a fun time. Like the threat's not monumental that it's going to kill everyone in this one. It's like, Oh, we're going to have a laugh and we're going to have a good time, but Oh no, we could all die. Like, and it's like, no, no, that just doesn't work. I feel let down in future episodes because I feel like this episode really kicked open the door to do some stuff. I do have to agree with something I read and I can't source it because I don't remember where I read it, where someone suggested that this episode actually would have worked better in season like two or three, where you've had time to get to know these characters. And so seeing them, as Mel pointed out, with their desires and everything like that, it all makes a lot more sense. Like it connects this to itself together and it definitely adds more to what's going on. I'll give this an episode of seven as well. It's it's not awful. It's not awful. It's not good either. It's just kind of there. It's fine. I would definitely say watch it once, but I don't think you need to see it again. That's my opinion on it. So that was The Naked Now. Tune in next week when we cover <laughs> episode three, Code of Honor. We will, have, we will have many, many things to say, a lot of which have probably been said by other people, but we're going to say it again because it's us. I may or may not have anything to say. I may just sit it out. <laughs> <laughs> or I may not allow either one of you to speak and just go the entire time. And that's I fine too. That's Whatever fine. we were going to do. Tune in next time. Once again, you can follow us on all social media at open underscore hailing. And we will see you next time. And remember to always keep your hailing frequencies open. Have a good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs>